It is 12.03, and we are here, Dr. Payne Show, ready to roll. Phone lines open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. I think today we're going to talk about pain management, uh, stuff that people suffer from all the time, fibromyalgia, think, all that stuff. I think right? that's a good guess on Considering the Dr. Payne Show. Yeah, yeah. let's talk about pain on the Dr. Payne Show, as opposed to finance. Your mortgages, let's go. So, yeah, How was the week? Very good. Yours? Good, man. Tell me, uh, tell me some stories. Yeah. Well, instead of a clinical case, I thought we'd touch on some stuff um, this week um, regarding the chronic pain, fibromyalgia stuff, because um, a lot of people are experiencing this. A lot of people are being mm-hmm. diagnosed with this. They don't really understand it. And we've, we've kind of gone through this. So, you know, let's start from the beginning. Patient, a person has pain, whatever it could be in one area, it can be in multiple areas. You're never going to diagnose with fi- somebody with fibromyalgia or chronic pain right off the bat. This is it's a diagnosis of exclusion is what mm-hmm. we call it. Um, and so what it essentially means is once you're able to determine that there's no other pathological cause for this person's pain, let's say a person has widespread pain throughout their body, there's a lot of things that could be very bad that could be causing that. And we've gone through this could be maybe something autoimmune attacking uh, the joints creating an issue might be something neurodegenerative, uh, could be a severe infection of some kind. There's so many different things that can cause widespread pain. Um, so, And these things tend to have very good uh, tests to rule them in, rule them out. Once you start getting to the point where this person who has widespread pain, um, there's no real diagnosis being given. So you can't determine it's something autoimmune. It's not something neurodegenerative, which is all good. You would want that, right? Mm -hmm. If you're experiencing widespread pain everywhere, you don't necessarily want there to be anything bad because it could potentially be very bad. And so oftentimes what ends up happening is once you get to the end of the line and you've seen all the different specialists and they're not really able to determine what's going on, usually a rheumatologist will say, this is fibromyalgia, which is just really overactive, uh, an overactive nervous system, a very sensitive nervous system that makes this particular person uh, experience pain uh, more easily maybe than someone who doesn't have this overactive nervous system. And so then the question becomes, what created this overactive nervous system? And it could be, that's a much harder question to answer in terms of me giving like a blanket statement and saying, here's what always causes fibromyalgia. Um, It could be very, very dependent on the situation. Maybe it's somebody who's been experiencing experiencing some chronic pain. They're not really sure what it is. It goes on for a long period of time. They go through all the different testing. There's nothing there. And now there's that psychological component that uh, tends to be present with the chronic pain. And that's really what fibromyalgia chronic pain is, is when there's widespread pain throughout the body, it's often related with some type of depression, anxiety, and also related with some type of sleep disturbance. And so that's really chronic pain fibromyalgia. Now, a lot of people don't want to accept that maybe they have fibromyalgia or that they have chronic pain and they think there's something to it. The reality is once you've have every once you've had everything ruled out, sometimes you just do have chronic pain, fibromyalgia. And again, fibromyalgia is a term to kind of give us a term to explain these situations. How do you explain somebody who has widespread pain without any particular root cause? It's a symptom, not a diagnosis, really, isn't it? It's not a disease. It's like saying I have a headache. It doesn't mean that that's what, you know what I mean? That's, you've said that before. Yeah. It's it, a it, sign, right? It, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's different in the fact that there's no specific root cause to it, I guess. Right. But I mean, also having... The other option is if we didn't have that term, we would just be essentially saying to people, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And it's like, well, no, there is. I have pain. And so sometimes putting a term on something also helps because also that term, when you just break it down, fibromyalgia just means 
pain of the fibers and the muscles so, right. so of the soft tissue of the body and fibromyalgia can be experienced in many different ways some for for some people um it could be numbness and tingling for some people it's actual sharp dull achy pain throughout the body sometimes fibromyalgia happens after there's a severe injury of some type that gets dealt with and then the person can develop that so so many things can lead to chronic pain fibromyalgia presentations then the question becomes, how do you manage these right. people? Because that's what really everybody cares about um, is, okay, now now you've told me what's wrong. What do I do to potentially get better? Fibromyalgia, chronic pain, these they're chronic for a reason. There's not going to be any magic pill, any magic cure. I actually had a call this week of someone who said they were listening to the show and they were hoping that I had, quote, unquote, a magic uh cure for for pain and i and i quickly called that person and said you know right off the bat let me just dispel that belief there's no magic cures for anything what i'm here for is to really help manage things the right way and give you the best approach that will help you manage your uh, case to the best as possible but to have a magic pill or a magic cure that's just going to eliminate everything just doesn't doesn't realistic no it's not realistic and it doesn't exist so with these people with chronic pain fibromyalgia it tends to be very multifactorial where you got to work on the physical physical side, that meaning um, passive therapies, physio, chiro, yep. massage, those types of things, the more active therapies on the physical side. So you make making sure that that person's doing their exercises, staying healthy, eating healthy. Uh, then there might be assistive devices that are implemented. Maybe they need a knee brace. Maybe they need different types of supports for their feet that maybe help them a little bit. Something in the home, possibly. Yeah, something in the home, things to make things a little bit easier. That's kind of the assistive devices. Some Medication is often part of that program, so they might need some type of medication to help manage their pain. Uh, because there's such a psychological component around this type of presentation, a lot of the medications can also work on those areas. Um, and then there's also the psychosocial interventions, the cognitive behavior behavior therapies, um, and the different types of things that you can do from that end. So people with chronic pain, fibromyalgia, you have to deal with it not just from one one angle, but from that whole spectrum of what could potentially help with pain. And that's really the best way to go about it because of how many things cause uh, chronic pain, fibromyalgia. And, and it, again, this is something that it's, it's, it's a diagnosis of exclusion, and it's often not related to just a simple, you can't narrow it down to just a simple structure in the body right. that, hey, here's what's wrong, and let's fix this one problem, and it's going to be, and it's going to be gone. That just doesn't, it, that's not what fibromyalgia and what chronic pain is. And, um, you know, there's this, we talk about, about a lot, uh, the stigma around mental health. There's a big stigma around this about, uh, fibromyalgia and chronic pain that people don't, you know, when someone says I'm in chronic pain or I have fibromyalgia, their friends, their family, their loved ones will dismiss them like, oh, it's just in their head. It's just yeah. in their head. And they're not realizing that, no, this is actually something that they're experiencing and it's not fake. Yes, there is a psychological component that exacerbates their symptoms, yep. but that doesn't mean it's fake. That's it's, it's as real as it is. We'll talk more about that angle of it as we uh, seem to be doing each more each week because it becomes more of a, more of an issue with people. Your phone calls as well, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell at uh, 1211 on your Saturday afternoon, ready to take your phone calls. Dr. Payne Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Info at paincarecanada.com. Info at paincarecanada.com to reach Dr. Lou anytime or 1-855-55-DR-L-O-U. That's outside of show hours. Hey, Ed. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's going on, pal? Um, okay, I've been to so many doctors about this, and none of them can figure it out. Uh, my wife and I both suffer from this, so we thought it was environmental. We had the health checked out, everything. We both will get cramps in our 
muscles and charlie horses uh, to the point where it, you know when you get that charlie horse in the back in the back of your calf and, and it falls up goes yep. into a big ball oh. man i get that so many times and even on the top and side of my foot mm-hmm. I, if i'm laying in bed and i stretch my toes forward boom my, my, my toes my feet my calves will all cramp up on me okay um uh-huh. i take i take um melatonin before bed and I take um, oh, what's the other one? Help, help me sleep. Um, and for, for muscles, um, starts with M. Melatonin and magnesium. Malibu rum. Yeah, oh, okay. okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should try that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I've been to my my family doctor, my pain doctor, my cardiologist. I've been to the special clinic down at St. Mike's. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I was there for, for half a day and ran more blood tests on me than I, I can count. Right. Um, the only thing they found out wrong is I have carpal tunnel on both wrists. Right. Okay. Right. They ran electricity charges up and down each side of my body. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Nobody can figure out what's causing these. Like, if, if my wife and I go out walking around in the mall or something that night, we're going to pay for it. Okay. So I think, you know, you've done the right thing because obviously if you had told me you had this and you got to start ruling out the, again, the more serious things. So you got to make sure this isn't a nerve issue. Um, and so you had nerve conduction studies done. Yep. Um, you got to make sure that there's not related to some type of deficiency in a mineral or a vitamin, which it sounds like you've had that looked at. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the fact that you and your wife are both experiencing, I would agree with you that potentially it's environmental. Um mm-hmm. Now, environmental doesn't just mean, you know, the air in your house and those types of things. What do you, what's your guys' diet like? Do you, are you guys smokers? Are you guys healthy? And those are the other environmental things that you should consider because what's what's the typical diet for you, for you and your wife in a day? What do you guys well, usually eat? Yeah, it's just, it's just my wife and I. I drive a truck. Mm-hmm. And she's home during the, she's home she's not working she hasn't for some time mm-hmm. um but we we eat fairly well we eat a lot of vegetables uh, in the morning like i leave for work at twelve thirty in the morning okay uh, i grab a coffee um on my way down and uh for lunch i usually have uh toasted egg bacon and egg sandwich or a blt on a on a bagel mm-hmm. uh, that's like brunch right and I don't eat a lot of junk food. I don't eat a lot of sweets. I'm not a big drinker. I don't drink during the week at all. My wife doesn't drink, period. Okay. Um, uh, she, 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 she vapes. She doesn't smoke anymore. Um, Do you I don't smoke? smoke? Okay. I don't smoke. Uh, I haven't smoked in 30 years. And okay. Oh, yeah, sorry. They found out I have a mild CPOD. Oh, well, okay. So, so that's, that's a lung issue. And then, obviously, yeah. your lung is what's responsible for bringing... Um, you know, oxygen to the rest of your body. And it sounds yeah. like your wife was a smoker as well. Yeah. That that sometimes is just the reality of, um, you know, I don't want to say it's kind of like what's going to happen eventually if you've smoked. You can't expect, it's good that you guys have quit and that you're no longer smoking, but sometimes there are still repercussions down the line. And I'm not confident enough, obviously, over the radio yeah. to say that your muscle cramps are due to that. But I think the important thing here is if you've ruled out the more serious things, there's got to be something else that it could be, and it might be more lifestyle issue um, and diet related and those things. And and in order to really identify potentially what that is, a lot of that is, number one, having a good thorough examination um, mm-hmm. and, and really going through this in detail. And then the second part is a lot of it is trial and error, right? It, it's not yeah. going to be something that you necessarily 
will nail down on day one and say, yep, here it is. This is what it was. Uh, but sometimes it's a matter of, okay, try this and substitute this with that or whatever. And maybe those types of things uh, make the difference. But again, if it's something that you and your wife are both experiencing, I, I would tend to agree with you that it does seem to be maybe something that's environmental or maybe it's yeah. just coincidence, right? Maybe it's just, um, you know, you guys get muscle cramps and sometimes that's the reality of these things is that they happen. And do you guys, are you guys very active at all? Um, not, not terribly because when we do exert ourselves physically doing anything, we pay for it at nighttime. Like, they will, it will wake us up. We'll mm -hmm. wake up screaming in pain from the ball in my calf, and the pain will last me a week sometimes. Wow. I'll still feel the effects of it. Yeah, so, and so I, this I, is I when... I out of bed and stand on it, straighten it, the, the, make it stretch. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm telling you, man, oh, man. Like, I, mean, yeah. I get it from my jaw sometimes when I yawn. My jaw, I'll get a cramp in my jaw, my neck, and if I grip something... My, my my fingers all go all wonky because they're cramping up on me. It's just mm -hmm. so, 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 you know, if you guys are not active, this is where it's important. Just and I, and I see a lot of patients like this who um, can't be active or they think they can't be active because of the amount of pain that they therefore experience after they are active. This is where grading your physical activity is very important. So, you know, maybe you start with a five minute walk for the first two weeks, right? You and your wife dedicate yourselves to five minutes, something that's very low intensity, not that much. And you have to progress. Oftentimes people who are physically inactive and, and overall um, not, not in good shape in that regard will want to get active again and they'll right away jump to half an hour or 45 minute uh walk or There's something so much, and right? then of course you're going to be sore that now they, the whole point of exercising is that you will be sore the next day that that's how your body breaks down repairs itself that's that's just what happens uh with exercise and sometimes when you push the limits beyond what you should physiologically be doing you will get very very bad uh muscle and and joint related pain for that oh, so i know i know that i know this sorry to interrupt you i know this i know the difference between muscle pain and cramps i'm uh, i'm a second degree black belt in taekwondo I took Taekwondo for nine years, and I know about exercise and stretching mm -hmm. and all that. Mm -hmm. uh, we're both we're both 58 years old. Yeah. Um, my wife's in reasonably good shape except for her knees. Um, I've had health issues in the past with my heart stuff. Uh, it's just we lived in this house for 10 years, and that's been going on for the last five years. Right. And yeah. so, you know, has, has anything really changed? Previously, this, uh, no, um, actually, we're eating better than what we did then. Mm -hmm. right? uh, we have better meals, um, more consistent. Well, again, Ed, if, if you're interested, I think the best option at this point is that we actually assess it and go through your history, your wife's history in detail to see I'm just kind of spitballing ideas out there. Um, and sometimes it's just a matter of trying different things. And if you know, and those different things might work and sometimes grading uh, the, the rehabilitation and eating better, there's always a way to do a little bit more for sure from a, a lifestyle perspective. Right here, Ed, one eight five 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 doctor Lou D R L O U. Call that number or info at paincarecanada.com. Your phone calls. We got open lines four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. You have pain, you have concerns. Give us a call here right till one o'clock. Doctor Pain Show Talk Radio AM six forty. 
1223, Dr. Payne Show, lots of uh, open lines for you to call through with pain concerns, physical health concerns. Uh, this is when you want to uh, call in and ask up to 1 o'clock this afternoon. Is it something else Ed could be doing as well? Because he's just he's been trying to do this with his wife for so long, get to the bottom of it. Keep a pain diary. You always talk about that. Yes, yeah, and right? that's a great point. Just try to track exactly when these things are happening. In those diaries, you you got to try to be as specific as possible because right. it's not a matter of like, you know, 1 a.m. muscle cramp done, right? You have to be really specific. What what happened that day leading up to it? What was the weather like? What did you eat? What exactly did you do? Um, was there something out of the ordinary? Um, as detailed as possible. As right? detailed as possible yeah. because it's it's kind of like a headache diary or pain diary, which we give to people who suffer with headaches or chronic pain or anything like this, is you maybe have to try to figure out, okay, what is it? Where is the co- common feature that we can see? And the only way really to do that is to go through um, that type of exercise. And although that can... It's not necessarily easy, and it, and it's not necessarily a matter of only tracking it for a week. Sometimes it could take months. Sometimes it could take years right. uh, for someone to track those things uh, the right way and to start to see a common feature. But just to, I also wanted to continue with the the discussion that Ed brought up, and not in Ed's situation uh, in specific, but. I do have a lot of patients who this is always a very, very tough conversation where they'll say, I want to exercise, but when I do exercise, I'm in pain. And and I think you know this as well as I do, John. Most people, once they want to do something, they try to go all out in yeah, it. So full if they, bore. Yeah, if they, if they want to start eating better, they all of a sudden cut everything out, and then yeah. they wonder why it fails. There's something very, very important about a graded introduction of anything. So if you want to get more active, do that slowly. If you're going from five minutes and you were doing nothing, five is better than nothing. People think, well, if I'm not going to do 30 minutes, then there's no point. I might as well do nothing. Well, no. Five minutes is better than no minutes. And then as that starts to feel more comfortable, then maybe you progress to 10 minutes. And it doesn't, you don't have to start at half an hour or an hour or two hours. There's no rush here. Take it to you. It's the same as if you want to get healthy with eating. Usually you can do this. It, that's in a much more sustained way. If you know, you look at your your overall diet and you say, "What's one simple thing that I could do right now where I could save a ton of calories? Yeah. No more pop, for example." Yeah, and let, right. let's one just thing. Take let's some just sugar switch out. to water. And and even that that will be much easier for you to follow because you're not trying to juggle a million different things. Yeah. It's not that big of a, a surprise. It's the same as people who are successful with cutting out smoking. Now, some people are successful by just going cold turkey and getting rid of it. A lot of people have to wean down. They have to use nicotine patches, the vapes. Just things to change it up. But I think exercise and diet needs to also sometimes be done the same way. You don't need to necessarily go cold turkey and completely change something, uh, you know, 180. Just take it in steps, grade it. It's, it's, it'll be much better and much more sustainable. It's, it's amazing how, you know, it's, it, it's hurry up and wait when it comes to those things. But if they decide to start taking guitar lessons, like you're not expecting to be Jimi Hendrix with exactly. a week and a half. Yeah, right? yeah and that's like, a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah take exactly. your time. Yeah. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Rick? Good afternoon. Hi there. Hi, Rick. Go ahead. Hello? Yeah, we got you, Rick. How are you? Go ahead. Good, good. Um, Yeah, just uh, the last two months I've uh, I've started off with some vertigo and some hearing loss, ear fullness, and I've had a CAT scan, and the CAT scan came back clear. Mm -hmm. All my blood work is clear. I went and saw an ENT. My ear is fine. But uh, someone was telling me about my SCM muscle might be causing all these symptoms. Have you ever heard of something like that? Yeah, so the SCM muscle is the sternocleidomastoid, which is a muscle that is, it, it attaches from the mastoid onto the sternum. It's principally responsible for rotation and flexion of the head. 
it, uh, yes, if you tend to have trigger points, this is where uh, where we've talked about myofascial pain before. Muscles can create a lot right. of these weird symptoms. It's the exact same thing. You know, if someone had pain going down their left arm, the more serious thing that you'd want to rule out in that scenario is potentially some type of of uh, cardiac involvement and then you know once you're able to rule that out there's no lung involvement there's no neurological involvement then yeah it's probably a muscle i think you're on the right step that you know if you told yeah, me i can feel like swelling behind my ear right down into my collarbone like there's it's like i can feel in the morning especially more so in the mornings i guess because i'm sleeping on that side yeah it's worse in the morning as the day goes on it does subside somewhat yeah so so the and and that's what i mean based on what you're telling me that you've you know, had this checked out by different specialists for something more serious yeah. for that type of issue. And once you start to eliminate those things, that's when you can start to almost start to say, okay, this is just likely mechanical because you, your your muscles, your joints can cause a whole lot of weird symptoms in the body that are oftentimes yeah. very similar to the symptoms of very serious things. So if you're ruling those things out, then yes, there is the potential that the SCM muscle uh, could be creating those types of symptoms or other neck muscles in, in that region could be right. creating that but that's something that that's you know where we really specialize especially um is, is figuring these types of things out when it's when it's something mechanical in nature so if you're interested come come see us and let's see well, if it is the scm i've been trying to do, well i've been trying to do the self-treating because apparently you just grab the trigger points and you, you just gently squeeze them yeah no find these trigger points no don't don't self-treat that's it's just not no yeah it, it never works it's <laughs> self-treating maybe you know once you've you've had it treated and you want to try to manage it someone could show you but you should never really be self-treating these types of things it's just you know in order for you to do that you have to lift your arm you have to awkward positions you're not actually yeah, being right. able to relax and also you don't know uh like you're not trained in right. what a, a true myofascial pain syndrome is if right. there's something else behind it there you need to have a professional do that for sure Okay. Thanks. Okay, Rick. No problem. Thank you, Rick. Moving forward, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. That is the number to call. John, good afternoon. Gentlemen, Doctor Lou, how you doing? Good, good pal. John. What's happening? Ah, uh, you know, I've I've had a uh, lower back issue uh, and actually a herniated disc in the L four L five, which to the point where it was herniated and uh, had to have a microendoscopic surgery. Or sorry for butchering the words. But, okay. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, so I'm recovering on that, but my question would be. Who would be like the point person for the overall back uh, getting better, really? Because uh, I have a neurologist, and he's more focused on, obviously, uh, fixing the nerves and uh, making sure that they're not pinched. And I have dropped foot right now, right. so I'm waiting for that to come back. Mm -hmm. But who would be the overall back person I would talk to? I, I would say... You know, a chiropractor who's obviously what I'll say is more of a diversified approach where they're dealing, um, you know, not just focused on manipulation and adjustments of the back, but someone who's really focused more on the rehab stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and if you wanted to stick within the medical world, uh, in terms of the, you know, medical doctors, I would say a physiatrist, someone who's an expert in physical medicine and rehabilitation would be the best. You're right. A, a neurologist is really focused on the health of the nerves and curing those uh, those issues or helping manage those issues, but they're not going to be the overall person for the back. But um, I would say, you know, for, for someone who's primary care, very easy to get into because a physiatrist may be a little bit more difficult, would be would be a chiropractor who's who's practicing that way. But that's easy. Just give me a call and we can help find uh, the right person for you for sure. 
Thanks, Dr. Lou. No problem. Thank you, John. Vile. one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, by the way, pals, that number, or info at paincarecanada.com uh, com through email. More of your phone calls coming up. Got to 1 o'clock. Bring them on. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. Dr. Pain Show. Talk Radio AM 640. It is 12.32 in the Dr. Payne Show right till 1 o'clock, and we're talking fibromyalgia. We're talking all kinds of autoimmune pain, all that stuff under that. You know, low, people call low in. Back pain, low back pain. Low back pain. It's coming. Let, let's talk about a little bit more about the myofascial pain syndrome because that is something that a lot of people experience that they don't even realize right, they're okay. experiencing it because, you know, if someone's got pain in the right upper quadrant of their abdomen, they're obviously going to worry that that is something related to the GI tract, maybe the liver, maybe the gallbladder, maybe the pancreas. Same thing as if it's up in the chest, you start to worry this is the lungs. And so this is exactly what happens. A lot of times the the symptoms, the nerves that go to these different areas are all the same nerves. So if if it's pain being generated by an organ or by a muscle to the body, it feels the same way. Now, I do agree that you need to rule out that it's nothing more serious. In that example that we talked about, someone starts complaining of numbness down their left arm, um, you know, out of nowhere, you want to make sure that that's a classic sign of potentially a heart attack. Now, sometimes you can easily rule that out because this person may be very young. They don't have shortness of breath. uh, Their heart rate is fine. So it doesn't necessarily mean you need overly specialized um, testing, but in some instances, you might have someone who's 65, 70 years old starts experiencing that. And, you know, they do have a history of diabetes or whatever. So yeah, yeah, you start to rule out all these other things. But a lot of the times, once you've had everything ruled out and you're still experiencing some type of pain, a lot of the times what's left over is just the mechanical pain from the muscles and the joints. And that's, and that's a referral type of pain where those things are just creating pain in a certain uh, dermatome pattern or sclerotogenous pattern, all these terms to correspond with different areas of the nerve that go to different places. So myofascial pain is something that a lot of people are suffering from. They don't realize it. And I especially see it with people who come in and it's often related to GI issues. People who say, I've had pain and they've done all the tests, I've been scoped, I've had all the blood work, blah, blah, blah. There's nothing there. They tell me everything's fine, but I got this pain. And then I start looking at it, and we start looking at the mm-hmm. muscles in those areas. And sure enough, we find it, we treat it. These are the people that can actually get better quite quickly. Because if you just release the muscle or you help treat that muscle that is creating that, and you teach people what to do to prevent it from going back into a trigger point, they get better. So it, it is much, much more prevalent than a lot of people think. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Gabe, good afternoon. How are you? Not too bad. Yourself? Good. What's uh, what's going on with you? Well, okay. I'm I'm a 58 years old. At, at age 16, I was diagnosed with uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. and I've lived with it for the last 42 years. And I'm in chronic pain all the time. And I've right now, my, I I take about 100 Tylenol threes a month, and and some Percocets. I really hate taking Percs because they they really screw you up. Mm-hmm. Wondering, is there anything that would help other than like for the pain? It just and it really doesn't do anything. Because it just numbs me. It doesn't numb the pain at all. Right. Yeah, it's a tough one, especially when you're diagnosed with something when you're younger. Have you had pain throughout your whole life from that point? I've had I've had both my hips replaced, one one knee and both shoulders. 
Right. No, but I'm saying the chronic pain that you've had, you've had it ever since you were 16 after the diagnosis. It's gotten progressively worse. Progressively worse. Yeah. So unfortunately, sometimes that's the reality of once you undergo those types of things. I think in terms of, you know, what is there specifically that maybe you can do? That's where I would need to assess you and go into much further detail. Um, A lot of the times with these types of issues, it's not one thing that maybe could be done. But maybe if you try a whole host of new things, like really improving your diet from an inflammatory perspective including exercise uh minimizing stress getting sometimes cognitive behavior therapy if there's stress issues or or depression anxiety issues involved so there's so many things but in terms of is there one new thing that you could try that would likely improve you probably not it probably would have to be a whole new pain approach oh that's bad okay 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 thank you no problem Thanks, Gabe. Moving forward, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. We keep referring back to every show for a portion of it, anyway. CBT, cognitive. This stuff is so important and yeah. it works so well. Yeah, especially if there's a psychological component or any type of psychological intervention. I just often talk about CBT because yep. I'm a big fan. Because if you have a behavioral issue, then you should try to be changing that behavior. Right. But um, you know, something that he said there, where he was kind of like all oh, all of that, right? Like that's a very common thing with people who have chronic pain and you have this conversation that yeah there's a there are things that you can do you could potentially get better but it's not going to be easy and most people react that way they're surprised they're like wow i didn't realize it was that much i was just this goes back to the conversation of i was just expecting a quick fix or a pill or some new procedure that's been invented doesn't exist with pain it does not exist if you're serious about getting out of pain or managing your pain call me i want to talk to everybody 1-855-55-DR-LOU but be prepared that I'm going to give you the brutally honest truth mm-hmm. of all the things you have to do. If you come to me and I identify that you have a psychological issue or that there's a psychological component to your pain, I'm not going to shy away from telling you that that's the case. If you come to me and you're overweight and I believe that that's contributing to your pain, I am not shying away from that. Sure. And that's People are going to get that honest answer from me. So if that's what you're looking for, then please absolutely call me because that's the only way to really get better is if you're willing to hear the... the Confront the, it. Yeah, the truth is sometimes not easy and it's not it's not easy to hear and a lot of times people don't want to hear but sometimes you have to do a lot of different i had a person the other day who came to see me and they were talking about uh you know some breathing issues and they're wondering if there's uh some things that they could take to help their breathing and as i went through their history i end up finding out that they've been smoking for the last 40 years and that uh Um, They smoke about a pack a day and they were kind of like, you know, and I was like, well, the biggest thing you could do for yourself is quit smoking. And they they wanted nothing to hear about it. They're like, no, 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 not here for that. I know I could do that. But what else could I do? It's like, well, if you don't do that, nothing else you do is really going to matter. Right. And and it's just incredible that people sometimes don't want to accept this stuff. Hi, Pete. We'll get you in before the break. How are you? Very good. Thank you, doctor. No problem. And uh I'm on currently on heart medicine, and I thank God for the surgeons and so forth that frankly saved my life. Okay. Um, my only concern is after four years on these meds, is there any way to lighten up on them? I, I'm, mm. Am I incorrect in thinking that this is going to build up with time? Because it seems like I'm taking a ton of drugs. Yeah, I, and I think that that is a much better question to ask with the people who have put you on those medications. Uh, I, I'm okay. not in a place, obviously, to to answer. Sure. Sometimes, uh, unfortunately, sometimes with medications, and I'm and I'll answer this 
uh, as a blanket broad statement, sometimes with medications, you will yeah. unfortunately be required to stay on them for forever. And sometimes over time, actually increasing the dosage. Other times, yeah. depending on what the issue is, sometimes you can be weaned off a medication and maybe put onto something else that's not as um, severe or, or strong or whatever it may be. But that is mm -hmm. a conversation that you have to have with your uh, professionals that have specifically put sure. you on those medications. And I think an important aspect is a lot of people are afraid to ask that. They're afraid to go back to their healthcare professionals, their doctors, and say, hey, um, what's the long-term plan here? Like, is this something that I'm on forever? Is there another yeah. option? Can you give it, to, like, can you just explain to me where are my options here? So if you do wean me off of this and you put me on that, what are the side effects right. of this? If I do decide yeah. to go off of it, what's the risk to me? At the end All of the day, stuff. remember, the one thing that everyone should remember is you are the person in charge of you. You never have to do anything or take anything if you don't right. want to. Um, exactly. But just remember that to take into consideration the opinions of these professionals because they're likely putting you on something because they've already looked at the the risk benefit ratio. I'll give you an example. My mom suffers from COPD herself, and her mm -hmm. respirologist, who's a good friend of mine, does her his best to minimize the amount of corticosteroids she needs to take uh, in order to sure. help her breathe. But sometimes when she gets sick, she's exacerbated. He ups it yeah. and then he brings it back down. But will she ever be off a of corticosteroid? Absolutely not. But he does do his best to try to minimize it. And he's always said to me, like, you know, because corticosteroid use over a long period of time is potentially dangerous. But, you know, what's more dangerous? Not being able to breathe. So it's a similar yeah, yeah. type of situation to you, Pete. You, you really have to look at, I don't know what your heart issues are. You have to look at that. You have to speak with those professionals, engage it from their perspective of what's their long-term plan. And I'm sure if you ask them that question, they'll be more than happy to help. Absolutely. No, I have a wonderful, uh, uh, you know, relationship with my doctors. Right. Awesome. And and I, um, I certainly listen to everything they tell me because they I don't know they keep what you they alive. Know. Yeah, exactly. You leave it up to the professionals, and that's the way to do it. Yeah. But be an informed person. That's like anything, right? Yeah. You, you got to be an informed yourself. consumer, even in healthcare. Thank you, Pete. Your phone calls four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sale. Got some more time to one o'clock to call into the Doctor Payne Show Talk Radio AM six forty. It is 1244. We go till 1 o'clock here on your uh, Saturday afternoon, the Dr. Payne Show. Outside of the uh, show hour, one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. Get that free, that free consultation, have to make your first move and get on it. We've been talking about and focusing a lot on uh, pain on the Today Show because it's a Dr. Payne show, but it's, it's different. It's not necessarily from breaking a foot. It's, it's sometimes... We deal with yeah. pain and maladies. Yeah, and, and, uh, <laughs> you're using my word again. Yes. I'm never letting that go. Five bucks every time you use it there, <laughs> okay. buddy. Five bucks. There you go. Uh, yeah, CVT, we just talked about that before we talked to Pete and how important that is to uh, get your literally mind around it. And, uh, you yep. know, it's it's great therapy, but it yep. takes work and it shouldn't be a point of embarrassment for anybody. Oh. I've been through it. You've no. done it. You know. and, and the other thing is a lot of the professionals that you deal with, whether you realize it or not, they may already be implementing some type of a behavioral therapy, maybe not necessarily in a true uh, formal fashion of a CBT. Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of the people that work with me that aren't specifically uh, dealing on the psychosocial issues, but even the chiropractors, the physiotherapists, the massage therapists, they education, reassurement, all of these other things 
work on the behavioral aspect of understanding right. pain and being able to accept it, and that's very, very important. And so it should not be dismissed. It should not be uh, looked down upon people. You know, and the other thing is people, I, I had another person this week who I was talking to about this, and I said to them, it sounds like you, you need to implement a good, you know, behavioral program into your therapy to really get around a lot of the, uh, the psychosocial issues that you have with your pain. And they basically said, well, no, I've already done that, and it, it just really wasn't for me. And I said, well, what have you done? I went to speak to someone, and they told me about CBT. And I said, but that doesn't mean you've done CBT. Yeah. And they're like, no, no, we worked on some stuff. And I'm like, no, no, CBT is the equivalent of um, you know, changing your lifestyle if you want to get yeah. healthy. It's not something that you do from you know September 1st to November 1st, and then you stop. It's it's a change of your behavior. You don't at a certain point it doesn't even need a term because you just change becomes the way. Part you, of you. Yeah, it becomes part of you, and you have yeah. to work hard at it. And depending on how long these issues are going, usually people who have like an anxiety or depression issue, this didn't just start yesterday. This is obvious. Right. Sometimes going on for decades, years. You need to work at these things for a very, very long time in order to see even sometimes a small effect. But if you don't start at it, you don't change. It's the same as someone, the path to really getting healthy doesn't happen overnight. If, you, if you're if you overweight and you all of a sudden want to get really, really healthy, that's not, you don't snap your finger and go to the gym that week and eat healthy and then all of a sudden that's it, everything's yeah. uh, crystal clear. No, it takes you changing your life and these people sometimes take years to completely turn around and then they finally end up changing and then they think back to the way they used to be and they're like, I could never be like that again because it's just not me anymore. It's the same thing on the mental side, on the psychosocial side with your pain management. You have to be able to look at these things every single day, do the exercises that are involved with it. And by exercises, I just simply mean the right things that you should be doing around changing your thought patterns. Mm -hmm. Sometimes pain management is also about accepting it, not letting it control your life. Um, and that's a big thing. A lot of people make the pain that they experience bigger than them. You can minimize that perception. You can come to terms with it and say, no, this is, yes, I have pain. It's part of me, but it doesn't control me. And again, if you said that once or twice, that's not going to make a difference. But if you repeat that hundreds of times, mm -hmm. thousands of times over many, many months, many, many years, I guarantee when you look back, you'll say, yeah, you know, they're still there. It still does control my life sometimes, but it's not like it used to be. Yeah. And so these things really, um, in pain management and, and most things in healthcare with the management issue, it's not easy. You got to do it long term. If someone has diabetes, you don't just cut out breads and pastas and the sugars and starches for a week and then say, you know, my I'm blood sugar is back down. I'm, I'm not diabetic anymore. No, no, no. The rest of your life, that's what you need to be doing. And if you don't do that, then it will progress, it will get worse, and it could lead to other very, very serious problems. And psychosocial issues are the same. I've seen people who experienced that, you know, were high-functioning individuals that, you know, CEOs of companies, and, and then all of a sudden they developed an injury, they developed chronic pain, and their lives literally change where they go from the top to the bottom because they've, not that they've let it take them over, but it just happened. Overwhelmed. And that's how serious pain can be. People think pain is just like, oh, you got... You got pain, and that's what I'm saying. That's how I started the show by saying that a lot of people that suffer from chronic pain that have issues will tell their friends, their loved ones, and they're often dismissed because it's just like, yeah, but you're fine. You're walking around. You don't look like somebody no. in pain. You don't have to look like somebody in pain. Disability and pain are two very different things, and you could be a perfectly functioning individual with high levels of pain. 
and 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 some people who are very disabled have no pain. They're two absolutely different things. And yes, sometimes they they do correlate. But in a lot of scenarios, people with chronic pain, fibromyalgia are high functioning. There's no impairments, and yet they have this pain. And and they're often dismissed because it's like, no, you look fine. You're there. You're sitting. You're getting up. You're moving around. Yeah. What what's really wrong with you? No, that's that's not the way it works. And that dismissal of that only makes these people worse. So even if you're someone who's listening and your loved one uh, has been told they have fibromyalgia or chronic pain, don't dismiss that. You're not helping them by dismissing it. You need to help them accept it and deal with it is much more important than just saying, no, nah, no, you're, you're fine. It's all in your head. No, there is a component, yes, but anything that's in your head is, is theoretically the realest thing, right? Like your, your, your mind is what makes everything real. And yes, chronic pain, um, you know, when we've talked about the example of uh, phantom limb pain, people who have lost the limb and still experience pain, that is clearly a pain syndrome being constructed in the mind. Yeah. But that is very different. To say something is constructed in the mind and experienced in the mind is very different than saying, oh, it's just in your head. No, there, there's there are two different things there. The mind controls everything. It's it's the motherboard. It's creating your mm-hmm. reality. If you shut that off, nothing's real anymore. You're brain dead. You're done. Right. So, um, you know, you can have pain that is created in the mind, but that does not mean it's not real to the person. They feel it's just as real as anything else. And like you said, it's so individual. Your pain's different than my pain. The Absolutely. way Jody feels pain, it could be completely different. So 100%. it can't just be. Can't you can't brush it off? No, you, you can't you, brush you, it off. You know, one of the things, one of the questions that we ask people is uh, when we ask them to rate intensity of pain. Mm-hmm. We'll often use a zero to ten scale. Zero being no pain, ten being the most pain you've ever experienced in your life. The next question after we say what is it zero to ten mm-hmm. is what's a ten for you. Because a 10 for you may have been, you know, when you fractured your tibia versus a 10 for me is a heart attack, a heart attack, or usually with women that have given birth, they say giving birth was a 10. So it puts it into perspective for you on, on what, how does someone experience a 10? Still have a few more minutes. You want to call in, have an opinion, have a question, please bring it on here at 1251 to Dr. Pain Show, 416-870-6400-640 on your cell. Dr. Pain Show returns. Talk radio, AM 640. It is 12.53. Yeah, once the show is over, you can contact uh, either that email or the phone call and get a free consultation happening. Rick, good yeah, afternoon. Hello. How are you, pal? Hi. Well, I'm just for, I just for the last year or two, I've just had a constant pain in my head. Like it's a, like a nervous pain. I, I can't get rid of it. I've tried a few things. Okay. Where exactly is the pain in your head? Uh, it goes in the middle to the front and on the sides. Like I... And I've had MRIs. There's nothing wrong with me. Okay. Uh, what else have you had looked at? Have you had blood work? I've had blood work. Uh, I've had my you know, heart uh, checked out, everything like that. And nothing's wrong with me. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the times, again, this goes back to myofascial pain. A lot of the times with head pain, uh, once you've ruled out obviously more serious things, which uh, it sounds like you have, a lot of the times it's just simply related to the mechanical structures and more specifically when you're dealing with head pain, that being the neck. So a lot of uh, you can get cervicogenic or tension type of headaches um, that are just really due to the the joints and the muscles in the neck for whatever reason, poor posture, life, like not, not, none of us in life actually have good posture. So, um, you know, posture related issues uh, can create tension on those muscles, on those joints. And then it corresponds with the nerves that, you know, go into the head and supply the skin because, you know, that the most of the head has cutaneous innervation. Uh, well, half of it has cutaneous innervation. Uh, meaning the skin is innervated by nerves coming out of the neck. But then again, going back to referral patterns, a lot of referral patterns 
uh, from the neck actually end up, you know, in different parts of the head, whether it's on the temples, uh, the front of the face, uh, in the forehead, in the eyes, around the sinuses. So uh, it sounds like if you've had other things ruled out, that that's probably uh, where we're headed, is that it might be something that's just simply mechanical related to the neck. Do you have any neck pain? Uh, there is some tightness in the neck too, but nothing really. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, what do you, what do you do? Like in terms of, do you sit a lot during the day? What, what's a typical day like for you? Yeah. I'm sort of semi-retired now. So I sit a lot, but I still get out and do right. everything. It's just. Are there times know, that you find that the head pain is worse? Like something that you can specifically identify and say, yeah, I definitely after this type of, I don't know, activity or food or whatever, uh, it feels worse. No, 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 nothing like that. No. Okay, so this is another example of keeping a diary around it uh, would be important because then you can start to look for some common features. Uh, But again, you know, in my experience, uh, this is very, very prevalent and it's often related. Again, once other things have been excluded uh, that are more serious, it's often just simply related to the mechanical issues of the neck and uh, and the posture issues. Uh, How old are you, Rick? Uh, 61. 61. Have you had your neck x-rayed or anything like that? Well, I don't know if they did that when they had the MRIs or not. No, they would. They wouldn't go into the neck. They would stu- if it was of the brain. They would just stay within the brain, and if it's of the neck, they'll go into the neck. So um, that may be something to to also consider if there's some degenerative changes that may be putting pressure on nerves um, and creating a stiffness component. But um, again, you don't necessarily have to have neck pain to have it's it's kind of like when people have disc herniations, for example, right. and they'll feel symptoms in their leg. Um, but they don't have any back pain. So it's it's similar, except it's on the other end. It's at the top of the body uh, where you can have issues in the neck that create pain in the head, but not necessarily pain in the neck. And and although the, the, the genesis of that pain, the originating component of that pain is in the neck. So, oh. yeah, so definitely give me a call. That's very, very easy to check out and, and figure out if that's uh, potentially where it's coming from. Oh, I will do that. I'll follow up. Okay. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate that. It is one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U or info at paincarecanada.com. I mentioned it a few times. Got free consultation. Free it's, consult- get it started, right? Just just give me a call. It's very very simple. Um, I get lots and lots of calls. Uh, I do my best to get back to everybody right away. If I if I'm delayed a little bit, it's just simply because I'm really busy. I've got a lot of people calling trying to take advantage of what I'm doing. Um, and really. If it's even just a conversation, you want to be pointed in the right direction. Like, you know, should you be going to see your family doctor for this problem or somewhere else? Just call one eight five 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 D R L O U. It doesn't cost you anything. Leave me a voicemail. Obviously, if it's a medical emergency, call nine one one. Don't right. don't be calling me and leaving me a message. Uh, but if it's something you need an opinion on around your pain, uh, specifically pain, musculoskeletal pain, health issues. Just give me a call. It's very simple. Don't have to rush to emerge. Yeah, just exactly. Um, you know, send me an, e- an email, info at yeah. paincarecanada.com or go to paincarecanada.com and you can get all the relevant information there. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's it's not going to cost you anything. There's not, no commitment. Just simply call me. Let's have a discussion. Till next time, the Dr. Payne Show right here. Talk radio, AM 640.